everyone. I'm Kevin Winder. Thanks for tuning in to another podcast of Beyond Everything Radio. And as always, I have a question for you. Do we really want forgiveness if it means we have to forgive others? Today we continue our series of Seeing Beyond the Parables with a look at the unforgiving servant. Our lives are completely infused with harsh, critical judgments on just about everything around us. We will examine why this appears to be an unchangeable reality, but it's not. Join me now as we discover the way out of our objective prison of condemnation and discover the principle to which many pay lip service, but few can actually apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to yet another podcast of Beyond Everything Radio. I'm your host. My name is Kevin Winder, like to serve the world. It's an online pastor, author, and uncoach, among many other things that I do in the world. I'm just like you. Welcome to the program. So glad that you are here. I say that every week because it's true. I am glad that you're here. I mean, I recognize this is, this is not for everybody. Right, uh, most people are not interested in what the Bible has to say. Now, if you go into religious communities, if you go into systems of faith, you'll find some people who are interested in what the Bible has to say, but only through the lens of their pastor their imam, their priest, their spiritual leader. And so to kind of deconstruct the Bible from its captivity to institutional religion is an exercise in Bible interpretation called hermeneutics. And that's what we do here. That's what I do here. And we find ourselves in the middle of the series where I'm really pulling out nuances and re-teaching you the parables in the Bible, which are amazing little nuggets, little descriptions of what heaven is supposed to be. And so far, we're seeing that this, this story, these parables of what heaven is, are links in a chain. They are patches on a quilt that take us to a new place that creates something bigger than each story contains in themselves. And so I want you to use today to kind of decode your own life. I need you to become self-aware, gaining eyes to see, ears to hear, as the Bible puts it. Okay, so let's do that. Let's jump in. This is podcast number 366. I call it the unforgiving servant. So continuing with our series in the parables, we're going to look at this parable that is relatively easy to understand. It, it, it's not as obscure as some of the others. It is like all of them. It has nuance to it. Um, it's also like one others where we insert our own biases and we have to try and prevent that process. The challenge with this parable, the unforgiving servant, is how difficult it is to actually apply. 
So if indeed this is a metaphor for what heaven looks like here on earth, remember heaven isn't just some place we evacuate this earth to go to one day when we die if we happen to pick the right team. Heaven is to be brought here now, is here, is among us, is with us, right? We are the agents that usher heaven into this world and displace the way the world does things with the new kingdom, this new way of, this new order of you know, things where we get rid of all the rules and replace it with one rule, essentially. And this helps us to see heaven through a different lens than through that of church history completely. But this is truly what was intended by the author and, of course, Jesus who spoke these. So we find this parable, and it's a little bit longer than some of the others, but it's in the book of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. So I'm going to read this passage for you. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus says to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Then he said this, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And that's about 30 years wages. And since he could not pay the debt, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave his debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who had owned him a hundred denarii, which is like three and a half months worth of wages. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me, I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When the fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported the matter to, uh, to the master about all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him again and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And so also my heavenly father will do to every single one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Now, <laughs> that is a great story. It has like all the pieces of every great story. You know, this unforgiving servant who needed forgiveness was given it. And then when somebody owed him something so much less, he wouldn't forgive it. It's like, oh, this is so one-sided. And then ultimately he's called on the carpet and he has to undergo the judgment that he gave the other person. 
things always look different as an outsider, don't they? Like if you sit in the food court somewhere and you look at a couple eating lunch, you're looking at that couple and that exchange between the two people from the outside. And it's not the same as if you are one of those two people inside the exchange. You don't know what they're talking about. You don't know the feelings that are erupting on the inside. You can't, you know, you can make a judgment about how a person behaves, but you really, without knowing the backstory, don't have a clue. So from the outside looking in, we possess a slightly, well, not slightly, but a much more objective line of sight, right? As an insider, the experience is mostly subjective. Now, this should be taking you back to the previous parables a number of chapters ago about the um, pearl, the merchant who's seeking pearls, and the treasure buried in the field. Those are objective and subjective teachings about this kingdom. And the parable here teaches us that when heaven comes to us, it reorders our line of sight. It causes us to change how we are to see, and that's what the master expected from the servant. Hey, I'm going to forgive your debt because you plead with me. Therefore, I'm kind of expecting that you're going to go out and do the same for others. Like it should change your line of sight. And the the essence of the story is that it didn't for this unforgiving service. Like he didn't catch himself in the story of his own, you know, servant who's or peer who's asking for forgiveness. He didn't see himself there. That's the problem. He lost the subjective line of sight and looked at this objectively. And this change of line of sight, it's what frees us from this prison of judging others. It frees us from our objective posture, which was the horrible thing that this guy did. And it allows us to impose upon such judgments our own subjective experience. So let me give you a phrase that helps you see this, right? If you can go through life saying this phrase, it will allow that line of sight to change in your own life. This is the phrase. Though I am not you and you are not me, I am not other than you either. See that? I'm not other than you. Like, I can see myself in you. And when we do that, everything changes. Your political stance on immigration changes. Your political stance on everything changes. The addicts, right? The crime, politics, right? The rich, right? The powerful. All of this change, everything changes. Like, it, it literally changes everything in the world as soon as you change your line of sight. So here the vertical is intended to transform the horizontal and you can see how it can do that. Our experience and relationships with our maker is intended to transform our relationships with our brothers and sisters. The, that's, that's the design. It's supposed to reorder our line of sight. The master forgives us and then we go about the world forgiving others because we've been forgiven. That's the design. And yet it doesn't happen, does it, even in religious communities and sometimes especially there. And that's really the corpus of the teaching of this parable here 
Jesus used it to help his disciples get beyond the basic level of forgiveness. Like in, in the Jewish framework, you know, the practice was to basically forgive two or three times. And then that's it. Like if you, you screw up more than two or three times, you're cut off, you're done. Peter was thinking to himself, he'd be clever. Hey, hey, Jesus, how, sh- how many times should I forgive, you know, my brother if he sins against me? Should I do it seven times? Like he really thought he was doubling down here. Of course, he saw Jesus reorder things in Matthew 5, 21 through 42 in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, well, you've heard it say, you know, do not commit adultery. You, you've heard it say, do not murder Right. But, but I say to you, and then he reorders the law. He basically takes it way further than the external law. He moves it inside into the heart. And so Peter, knowing that, just says, how many times should I uh, forgive? Should I forgive seven times? <laughs> and Jesus just destroys his framework and says, just keep going, buddy. You're not even close. So I, as many as 77 times which obviously how many of us could do that. So until it dawns on us just how forgiving our Heavenly Father is toward us, we cannot comprehend nor apply this teaching. Do you hear that? This is easy to understand. It's hard to apply. And this is another way of saying, until we understand this, we will miss heaven. The reason the earth, the world, does not feel look, sound, appear, anything like heaven right now is because we fail to apply it. The kingdom of this world, the disposition towards forgiveness is very different than this disposition of a kingdom that Jesus is inviting us to. And you know this to be true. The world might offer a pass here and there, but certainly not very many. Most people are extremely exacting and unforgiving. You screw them over and you are toast. One and done is probably about the best the world will get. I'll I'll forgive you one time. After that, it's over. This is because the world's objective viewpoint is very much about exacting judgment. It's one-sided. And justice The world's understanding of justice is retribution. It is eye for eye, tooth for tooth, right? Now, the kingdom of heaven that Jesus invites us to takes over this framework. Judgment is withheld. The the master said, okay, you owe me 30 years wages, but um, I'm going to erase that and let you go. Like, we see ourselves and our failures in the failures of others. That's the idea. It's like we're supposed to, in the heavenly framework, look at the failure, the loser, the addict, the prideful, the arrogant, the, the assaulter, the controller, and go, that's me. Like, you might feel that you're nothing like that. That's your own prison speaking. Justice here is not retribution, it's restoration. And I have a link in my blog to all of the verses in the Bible that talk about that. I'll let you know this is not just a one-time passing idea. 
throughout the Hebrew Scripture and the New Testament, I have uncovered at least 137 passages in almost every book of the Bible that talk about shifting our justice from retribution into restoration. So get on board with that. Most religions are not on board with Jesus' plan. The greatest justice is to restore the the broken, to bring the lowly back to a a place of being in a, a peer. The lost and the separated are back into the fold where they can live at peace with others, not running from or running to anything. As if our sins were no longer counted against us, as if our debts were all wiped away. That's the design of restoration. You take the broken thing and you fix it. You don't take the broken thing and destroy it, eradicate it. That is religion. Jesus is offering something completely different. And this is the glimpse of heaven that he's inviting us all to. Yet, strangely, despite all of our religion, all our denomination, and all of our so-called belief in God, we can't seem to get there. And like I said, this isn't easy to to apply, so I understand it. Like the character in the parable, we often struggle to, to get out of the jail of our own objective retribution, our unloving judgments. This means that we can't or we won't live according to the rules of this other kingdom. The one rule of love, where we're constrained here to live according to the world's harsh judgments. That's just it's survival of the fittest. It's how it is. You, you can't change the evil nature of the world, so you just have to get used to it. You have to be tough. You have to bolster up or you're going to get consumed, right? This is what we're taught. You know, the 30 years of debt that was and could have been forgiven is basically reapplied to this man when he lives out his life in captivity, like he was freed and then he chose to not free another person and his captivity was brought back on him. The point being that if we don't apply heaven here and now, by default, we remain and insist in our own living hell. This isn't a fork in the road choice, folks. Either choose heaven or choose hell one day when you die. There is only hell. That's all you get is hell all the time, constant hell, until you apply the rules of heaven. That's the difference. It's not so binary in that sense. It's, well, I guess it is in a sense binary. Like you're, you're already on a road. You have to turn around. You have to get off the exit ramp and make a U-turn. Choose the rule of heaven. Forgive the debt. See yourself as the one who perpetrates against you and say, well, you know, I am actually capable of that. I could do that. I am capable of worse. That person we judge and disgust and look down our nose at, that, that could be me if left to myself. If you get there, you, you're getting heaven and changing the world. Jesus' threat at the end is a reminder that missing restorative truth will contain us into a prison of captivity to a life of judgment and retribution. And remember, the judgment we use is going to be used right back on us. It's been the teaching in the scripture forever, and we saw it on display in this story. It's common in our modern world for people to cherish their judgments, right? We love to judge. Just turn on the news. 
look at all the entertainment. Everything is laced. It's saturated. It's marinated in hostility, judgment, critical hatred, severe uh, looking at people. It's a schoolmaster that is pumping us up with our own ego of hating each other, judging each other, criticizing the actions of others. Like nobody can do anything acceptable. All we can do is focus on everything they do wrong, especially if you're on the other team, especially if you don't share my political views, especially whatever. That's, that's just pumped into us nonstop. Uh, by the way, you allow it to be pumped into you. you. You feed on it. That's your source of truth. That's the living hell you choose if you feed on this. The more we drink of this elixir of prideful objectivism, the more we become blind to our own mistakes. We minimize our own failures. We excuse ourselves. We reframe the things we do wrong with kind of a nuanced context, which allows us to give ourselves a pass. We'll say, well, I know I did that crazy, stupid thing, but it's really not me. I'm not always like that. It was just a moment of weakness. And so we give ourselves a pass, which is ironically the exact thing we're supposed to do to others is say, oh, well, it's probably not them. Let's give them a pass, right? It's, it's the exact opposite of the law of love. So we have this evil and it's on full display every day. This world system is a living hell. And why wouldn't it be? It's the twisted imitation of heaven. It's where we apply the law of love only to ourselves and to no others. You see it? It's, it's just, it's exactly the same thing, but just a little selfish. And now our world sees this new kingdom as foolish. You can't forgive others. That's, you're going to be weak. You're going to get taken advantage of. It's completely ineffective. It does not work. You have to give people their just desserts. You have to take them out at the knees or they're going to come and get you. You know, it's eye for an eye. It's a jungle out there. Kill or be killed. Eat or be eaten. These are the deception of the world. A world that struggles to believe in heaven. It seems clear that it's because our world has embraced and took, taken up shop and moved right into our own hell. This parable reveals the antidote to our life in this hell. It's the counterintuitive rule of heaven, and that is to begin seeing ourselves in others and offer to others the forgiveness that we give ourselves and that we may need one day. You see, then little by little, heaven begins to displace the darkness and the prison which we shouldn't be enjoying. Someone in our path today, as you go out, you're going to see this. Someone in your path today will likely cause you to join them. It might be on the drive-in, might be before you get to work. You're going to have some critical judgment on somebody somewhere. You'll call them stupid, what a dumbass, an idiot. Right? Our scathing reviews deflect the light from shining on our own heart and our own life. See, if we can and we 
and we can successfully catch ourselves in this moment, it's self-awareness. And if we can withhold judgment and even extend a bit of grace, then we will begin to know heaven and begin to become the agents who bring it to a dying world. So let me close you with that thought. Imagine that heaven comes to earth through us right in the midst of our living hell. How amazing is that?